Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. So glad you could join us. You're listening to the second part of our series, The Birds and the Bees. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. And this is part two of our series, all about creation, sex, and relationships. Uh, We're in the book of Genesis once again. I have a very short passage of scripture today. Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man that he had formed. So uh, I said last week that every single week we're going to answer questions and so our titles are questions. Last week is Who am I? This week, our title and our question is, why am I here? Why am I here? You guys can take a seat this morning, clap your hands, and say hello to the person that is in your premise, and let them know you're so glad that they're here today. So glad you guys could be here today. Uh, My name uh, is Harrison. If you do not know who I am or we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, and I have the privilege uh, of being the pastor here uh, alongside my wife, Christy. And so uh, if we don't know you yet, can't wait to get to know you and, and just learn more about your story. So we are in a series right now called The Birds and the Bees. Can you make some noise if you heard part one of this series at all? Now, I don't, I don't think that I ever preach series where I don't want you to hear the whole thing, but this series in particular, where we are going I need you to hear every single message because I'm just building and I'm I'm drawing and taking things week to week. So if you missed last week, that's okay. You're not going to miss the next seven weeks. Uh, But if you did miss last week, go and watch. Um, Go check it out because really last week is really foundational to this whole series and where we are going because we're we're answering these big questions that are going to lead us into uh, this series uh, all about sex and relationships but the reason that we're starting with creation last week this week and and even next week and the week after a lot of creation stuff is because what we said is that if we just dive into talking about sex and relationships but don't go back to the beginning don't go back to the creation part it's kind of like jumping into the middle of a story like you can do it but you're going to be really really confused now I myself, if you do not know this, I am a big um, comic book hero fan kind of guy. I'm going to get that out because it's going to be in the camera the whole time. It really bothers me when I go home. Um, (laughs) I'm a big comic book fan, um, and most specifically, I'm I'm a Marvel Comics fan. Anyone like Marvel in this place? Few people. And um, specifically, the movies are known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now, uh, the universe started in 2008. And so we're like, I don't know what that is, 16, 17 years into the universe. And as Marvel says, the universe is expanding. And one of the critiques today is that it's kind of hard to watch the movies now, like if you haven't seen the whole thing, uh, because it's kind of confusing if you just hop in today, something that started in 2008. Nevertheless, I've seen them all, so I'm never confused. And... um, not only have I seen all of the content, I even go on YouTube and I watch people talking about the content and breaking it down even further in case I missed anything. 
And so I have seen it all. So when a new Marvel movie comes out, um, I usually go with my wife. Not that she's a huge fan, but she's married to me, so she's seen all the content. And um, I'll usually throw an invite to my brother and my sister-in-law, because they're also Marvel fans. Um, But my sister and my brother-in-law, Kyle, who I mentioned last week with the crowbar, we give him an invite, but it's a pity invite. And the reason it's a pity invite is because we don't really want to invite them. We just feel bad not to. (laughs) And the reason we don't want to invite them is not because we don't like them. Uh, It's just they're behind. (laughs) They haven't quite caught up. And so I don't like people in the middle of the movie asking me who this guy is. Where did he come from? And so there are actually particular movies where, where sometimes we just say, you know what? I know what this one's about. It might be best if you just stay home. Because you're going to be confused. Yet, now, something happened, and it's an oversight on my part. I don't know how it happened, because Spider-Man is my favorite character of them all. And so a couple of years ago, I went to um, the new Spider-Man movie. Now, this is the Spider-Man movie where all of the previous Spider-Mans from different movies came from their own universes. I I told you, if if you don't know what's going on, I'm not going to try to explain it. Point is, it was all the Spider-Mans from my childhood coming back together in one movie. And somehow Kyle ended up sitting right beside me in the movie. And when I go to these movies, I go on opening night because I'm a fan. And usually everyone in the theater on opening night, like they're there, they know what's going on. And so there was this scene um, where Andrew Garfield, the actor, his version of Spider-Man comes on the screen. And the entire theater erupts. I have a small tear coming down my face. And I kind of like, I glance over at Kyle, and he's kind of dead-faced. And I glance over five minutes later, and I see him on Google, trying to figure out who just came on the screen. And after the movie, I said, that is why we don't invite you guys. But the point is, there's this vast story, and if we start Right in the middle, we will end up confused. And I happen to believe that sex and relationships are just like that. They are not the beginning point of what it means to be human, but it is a part of what it means to be human. However, if we don't understand the beginning, our origins, the whole creation bit, I think we will end up confused. And that is why in this series, we're taking eight weeks because I want to really suss out and dig out these big questions of what it means to be human. Does that make sense? And so last week we answered the question, who am I? And again, I'm going to give a brief recap, but I encourage you if you missed it, go check it out. We were in Genesis 126, 27, and we found out that we were created in the image of God. We said that we were all children of God. We are children of God, meant and created to be loved, not tools that were meant to be used. Hope it was good. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, go check it out. Uh, Today, we're answering another big question, why am I here? I think it's another human question, like what what am I here for? What is my purpose? Why am I here? So what we're going to do today is we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 2. Now, if you are a student of the Bible, or even if you've read the book of Genesis, um, if you haven't, I'd encourage you, I don't have the time to read every verse in in chapter 1 and chapter 2. So In your 10 for 10 this week, 
10-minute devotions. Read Genesis 1, read Genesis 2. But if you're a student of the Bible, you might notice something. So last week, we were in Genesis 1, and we saw the creation account. God creates everything, and then he finishes. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, you're going to assume that the story continues. However, something interesting happens in chapter 2. All of a sudden, we go back to the very beginning. And once again, we're in a creation account again. If it was like a movie, you'd be like, did someone just hit rewind? Like, what is going on? And uh, for some people, it causes them confusion. There's a whole bunch of theories on why there are two different creation accounts. I think what's more important is if you understand the differences between the two accounts, you can begin to deduce why the author of Genesis thought that two creation accounts were necessary. So last week, if you guys remember, God creates everything. We kind of flew through it. If you've ever read Genesis chapter 1, it is really a bird's eye view on creation. It's, it's quick, it's fast, there's really limited details, and it's done. It's a bird's eye view. Genesis 2, when it comes to creation, now it dives in a little bit. Genesis 1 was bird's eye, Genesis 2 is more personal. And even more so than that, it spends the vast majority of it talking about the creation of humans, which we talked about last week were the crown of creation. So this is where I want to start, and I want to read something that a lot of us will miss in English. So I'm going to flex some Hebrew in a moment. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heavens and earth. The earth. So again, the first account ends of creation, and now the second account. This is the account when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now, are you guys ready to learn for just a moment? I need you to lean in. You can't miss it. This is really important, and I actually think what I'm about to teach you right now um, will help you whenever you read the Old Testament. See you guys good? So this is where we are today, Genesis 2. I want to go back for a second to last week. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you'll notice, the language is very similar. It said, this is the, Genesis 2 said, this is the account of the heavens and the earth, and the Lord God made them. Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, the big difference is the personal name of God that is used. Now, in Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, you can see it, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim. Y'all following? And Elohim, like literally, as you see, it's translated as God. But the connotation and the understanding of Elohim is the idea of deity. It's, it's the idea of power. It's the idea of like large, grand, transcendent, all of these like big words. That is what Elohim is trying to connotate. In the beginning, God, Elohim, this powerful God, created the heavens and the earth. Now, when you read the rest of Genesis chapter 1, where God creates everything out of nothing, you can understand why they use the word Elohim. They're about to show you there's a really powerful God that is about to speak everything into existence. Now, 
the next creation account starts, and this is where most of us miss it. Again, Genesis 2, verse 4, it says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they're created. Okay, same thing. Then it says, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, the only difference is the Lord God. Now, this is where our English Bibles sometimes do us a little bit of a disservice. So, I'm going to teach you something really cool right now. Are you guys ready? So, um, Tegan, for a second, put the verse back on, um, and then you can, can get rid of it. So, anytime you are reading the Old Testament, anytime you see Lord with all capital letters, that right there is the personal name of God. And the personal name of God in Hebrew is translated as Yahweh. Or perhaps you've heard it, Jehovah. Yahweh, Jehovah, it's a long story, but it's the same thing. And so anytime, come on somebody, and I'll just tell you how I read the Old Testament. It's kind of cool. Every time I read it, I read in my head because I'm not psychotic. Um, every time I read, in my head, whenever I see Lord, I never say Lord. I always switch it to Yahweh. You can switch it to Jehovah if you want. If you're crazy, you can say the great I am, whatever. The point is, in the Hebrew, whenever that is put in, it is connotating the personal name of God. And this is really important because what Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is trying to show us is this switch in perspective. One commentary says it like this. It says, Elohim is from the root word that speaks of power. Yahweh is God's personal name that speaks of his entire being in action, especially in his relationships where he speaks with people. It is also his covenant, meaning promise-keeping name. Look at this, and it means he will actively continue to be. In other words, I am who I've always been. I am who I am, the great I am, which is Yahweh. It's a whole lot of Hebrew, which you don't really need to understand for today. What I want us to understand, though, is that the secondary creation account is letting us know that we've shifted from Elohim, this powerful, transcendent, almost kind of like untouchable figure, to Yahweh the personal God who, as we're about to see, is interested in relationships. So here's the thing I want us to understand because it is showing us a characteristic of God that I think is vital that we as people understand. It is simply this. Yahweh, God, is a relational God. He is a relational God. You might have heard a whole bunch of stuff about the God of the universe. You might have a picture in your head. But if there is one primary characteristic I think that we often overlook is that we need to understand that God is a relational God. I'll tell you why this is important and how it relates to us. So last week, if you guys remember, I said there's two basic theories in terms of where we came from as people. Theory number one was intelligent design. Theory number two, uh, we said nothing which was like the atheistic, naturalistic. We came by nothing, from nothing, for nothing. You guys remember this? A few people. Um, and so what we said is that really the atheistic worldview in terms of the history of humanity is a relatively new worldview. 
For the vast majority of human history, most cultures in most places believed in some type of creator God. Now, one of the things that you might have heard or you'll perhaps hear, they will say something to the extent of like, the God of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, our Bible, he is a myth just like all of these other cultures, like Greek gods, like Babylonian gods. They're all made-up figures. Um, and the reason you'll know this is because if you get into their stories, they're all pretty much the same. That's, that's if just, I'm giving you guys some, some skeptics. That's what they'll say to you. Now, truth is, as I said, most cultures in most places throughout human history have believed in intelligent design. We haven't always agreed on who the designer was. And all of these cultures throughout all time have origin stories of such. Yet, what I want to argue is that if you really get into the origin stories of other cultures and other places, what you will see is that the God of the Bible is fundamentally different than these other gods and other myths. And one of the ways in which God is different than all of these other gods is that he is a relational God, meaning that he actually exists not just to sit on a throne with a long beard and look down at what's going on and check his list to make sure you're being naughty or nice. The God of the universe, the God of the Bible, in his very characteristics, is relational. As we move forward, we learn this principle called the Trinity, meaning God is not just one, he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Trinity lets us know is that God in his own person has always existed in relationship. Why? He's a relational God. Now here's where this gets cool for us, because I know you all are selfish. I, what about me? In most stories, most myths, where humans come into play. The relationship that humans have with their gods is one of give and take. Meaning, you people do something for your God, and your God will do something for you. In some cases, the God doesn't even need to do anything for the people, you just do stuff for him. But what we're about to see and this is important, and we saw it last week. God creates everything. And the last thing that he creates is humans. Do you want to know what the implication is? It's really important. God doesn't need you and I to do anything. He created this whole thing without you. Why is that important? God doesn't need us but he does want us. Why? Because he's a relational God. So, today we're answering the big question, why am I here? And I believe I have three primary reasons that I think we are here as people. Here's number one. I think we are here as people to be in relationship with God. Why do I exist? I exist to be in relationship with God. Now, this is a really simple principle, but I think it's life-changing. And I think that there are two types of people, even in church, and both types of people struggle 
to believe this is actually true. So let me describe the two types of people. I'll start with number one. Um, number one is what I would call the type A leader. This person lives with the belief that God needs me. I was put on this earth for a divine purpose and a divine reason, and there is something, there is some reason God needs me for something. I'm his chosen tool. I'm his chosen instrument. Now hear me loud and clear. God doesn't need you. Go outside. Everything in nature that you see, he did it without you. He does not need you. Now listen, because... I do think that, like, because the alternative, I'm not saying be a bum, like, stay at home. Like, God, like, I'm going to sleep all day. That's not what I'm saying. The issue is, for some of us, the reason we relate to God and how we relate to God is one of boss and employee, where God has divine tasks, and my job is simply to fix and figure out whatever God assigns to me. But I want you to understand that the primary reason you are here, type A leader, and I actually think your personality and your drive was given to you by God. But the primary reason you are on this earth is not to do anything other than to be in relationship with God. And if you get it twisted, because some of you are like, well, who cares if I work hard? Isn't that a great characteristic that I, I think I have a purpose and a plan? And that's what, compared to being a bum, maybe. But here's why this small and subtle belief, I think, is so deadly. I'll explain it like this. Christy and I, we have um, four kids. And in our current culture, four kids is a lot. Like 30 years ago, I'm a small family, right? Uh, but today, four kids is a lot. And so um, a lot of people who think they're funny, they're not funny like me, but they'll say, um, they'll say, oh, four kids. You run away from a hockey team. One away from a starting five in basketball. Um, and they'll say, you're going to keep going? You're going you're gonna to fill out the hockey team? And I'll just say, ha, ha, we'll see. <laughs> but I want you to think for a moment. What if me as, as a father, Christy as, as a mother, what if the actual reason we had kids was because I just wanted to create a hockey team? But like, but, but like legitimately, what if every kid I had, they knew the reason you are here is to help me fill out my starting five. I can tell you right away, because it seems fun and it's, pre it's pretty dumb. But I can tell you right away why this would be deadly. Number one, if I wanted that starting five to be in the NHL, every single time I had a girl, I would be extremely disappointed because you're not furthering my goal. You're not furthering my mission. Every single time one of them says, I don't know if I want to play hockey, they are nothing but a disappointment. If their primary reason for existing was to accomplish something I had for them. And what I'm trying to say to someone today, you don't know it and you've never known that it's so insidious to how you view God. But God did not primarily create you to accomplish something. You are not a tool to be used. Come on, somebody. You are a child that is loved. And the primary purpose you are here for is to be in relationship with him. Isn't that cool? Yahweh, 
the, covenant, the covenantial God. And that's why I try, to, I try to switch out that name, because God in itself is impersonal. And if you really get into the Hebrew, you will see that the, the term God is used for other gods as well, because it's a very generic name. And some of us, we have a generic relationship with God because we've only viewed him as someone that just needs us, not someone to be in relationship with. That's the type A person. Second person is this, and here's the good news for you in terms of what it means that we serve a relational God. There are people here today, there are people here listening online that live with this belief that I'm not enough, that I'm worthless, that I don't have value, that I'm unseen, I'm unloved. But as Yahweh begins to create, I think there's some good news for the person that doesn't feel valuable. Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So here's what's cool. As God creates, as far as we know, everything that God does in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, he sort of just speaks it, and it happens. But in Genesis chapter 2, as humanity is created, what we see is this picture of God putting his hands on his creation and literally forming him. From the dust, he gives him his body, and then he breathes the breath of life into him. Now, I know a lot of you guys are taking notes, so put this away for, for future weeks because there's a really important implication here. I'll, I'll probably come back to it. But the implication is this. We as humans are not just bodies. We also have souls. We also have spirits. You can put it like this. As humans, we have a material part, but we also have an immaterial part. We have a soul given to us by God. When Jesus dies, it says he releases his soul, his spirit, his breath back to God. That is true of humans. We are body and we are soul. But, so again, that's, there's huge implications for sex, for relationships, because some of you guys are like, can't wait. Just put it away. We're body, we're soul. For today, what I want us to understand is that the relational God, as he created the crown of creation, he put his hands into it. He put his breath into us. Now, some of us are like, well, is, is God that involved in everyone? Or was that just kind of like an Adam thing? Look at Psalm 139. I love this. Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, you, speaking of God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so marvelly, so, so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me. Look at this. As I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before every single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. 
I can't even count them. They outgrain, they outnumber the grains of the sand. So listen for, for just a moment. Keep the verse on. For someone that feels like they are unseen, unknown, unworth it, here's what the Bible says, which I think is truth. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? You. I know. The one who feels worthless, the one who feels unseen, the God of the universe, not just Elohim, but Yahweh, has thoughts about you. And he formed you. You see, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to seek, kill, and destroy. And the way in which he does it so often is through the inside, through our thoughts, how we see ourselves, how we think about ourselves, how we view ourselves. Sometimes other people play a part in that, where we don't feel worthy, we don't feel loved, we don't feel valuable. But I want just to infuse you and let you under, like understand the implication that God wants to be in relationship with you. It's that he cares about you. And he has hand formed every single one of you. You are the way you are because God thought it to be. So for the woman in this place that deal with this lie that says I am not worthy, I am not beautiful, I am not seen. I want you to understand the God of the universe, the good, good Father, he sees you and he has called you by name and you are the crown of creation. Now, Christy is the crown, crown of creation. But y'all are pretty nice too. Men, they deal with this lie. I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. There's a God, much in the same way that he formed females, he's formed us as well. And he says to us, my beloved son, you have what it takes. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And if you've never heard that before from your own father, I want you to understand that God of the universe today is speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. And he says, son, he says, I'm pleased with you because you are my son. And I've known you from the very beginning. Now, here, here's a side note. Because some people have, ever, have, have said, you know, why do Christians care so much about unborn babies? Like, what, what's their deal? Why, why do they even care? Just, just shut up. The reason that we as believers care about babies in the womb is because of the implications of Genesis and what is laid out clearly in Psalm 139. They are not just a clump of cells they are not just immaterial matter. They are body and they are soul. And they are valuable to the creator. And that's why we as Christians are called to care about humans from the womb to the tomb. Because they carry value all the way through. So that is for all of us in this place. Why am I here? Number one, to be in relationship with God. And it's number one, not just in list, but also of importance. Because the other things on this list, I think they're important, but if I don't have number one, number two, everything's gonna mess up. Everything else is gonna fall short. So to understand that God wants to be in a relationship with us is the most important thing that I can ever get into my spirit. So let's get to the second one. Number two, Genesis, uh, Genesis 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man that he has now hand-formed, 
He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So next week, uh, we're going to talk about this thing called sin. Uh, Here's a little spoiler. I'm going to answer the question next week, what went wrong? Because you're like, Harrison, like, everything you're talking about is so idealistic. Like, what happens to the bad stuff? Next week, come back. So this big thing, sin, hasn't entered the world. That's important. In Genesis chapter 2, before anything goes wrong, hear this, God puts Adam in the garden to work it and to take care of it. So you need to hear this. One of the reasons we exist is, is to work, is to do stuff. Some of us live with the predisposition that says work is a result of sin. No. I'll show us next week. Sin makes work harder. But to be human and not to work is to live as less than human. So we can say to ourselves, I don't want to work. I'm so bored. I just I want my free time. And I'm not saying you have to have a nine-to-five job. What I'm saying, though, is in God's ordained, created purpose for humans, work is in there, which is important. That's a side note. Number two isn't to work. Put the verse up for one second, Tegan, that I was just in. Um, he says, work the land and take care of it. This is important. The big word I want to I hone in on is take care of of it. What God does to Adam is he gives him a place and he gives him a purpose but then he gives him his command. Take care of it. So here's the truth. All of us in this room have something. And nothing that God has given you is by accident or by mistake. So I don't know what God has given you but what I do know is that we have a divine command to take care of that which God gives us. So here is reason number two, why am I here? Simple as this. I am here to steward or care for whatever God gives me. Now some of us are like, Harrison, give me more. I want you to tell me exactly the job and the city, and give me, give me the, the longitude and the latitude of where God wants me to go and what he wants me to do. Here's why I think so many of us end up being dissatisfied in our lives. We focus so much on when and where we are supposed to be that we neglect that God gives us clear instructions on how to act wherever we are, in whatever season of life we find ourselves in. And I think the command is pretty simple. It's to steward and to take care of it. And here's why we miss this many times. It's because all of us live with that grass is greener on the other side mentality. Where somewhere else, some other place, is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be where it's not minus 50. Somewhere else. And what happens is this, and one of the reasons we end up living filled, I think, with regrets, with anxiousness, with, with, with a lack of purpose, is because we do not steward 
well where we are. Now, this is a human condition. To be everywhere we are except where our feet are planted. But like, speaking about the grass being greener, there was a time where like, I could only actually see my neighbor's lawn, right? Now, with social media, I can see everyone's lawn. And I can see what everyone's doing. And one thing that I have found is when I get caught up in the algorithm, everyone's life looks better than mine. And listen, man, I get caught up in some weird algorithms. Like for a while, I was watching this guy called the Tipsy Bartender. I don't even drink. But he was making all these drinks. And I thought to myself, that looks like a good life. Right now, I'm currently watching people make espressos um, in their machines and latte art and all that good stuff. And when I watch it, something happens inside of me. And I know you guys have been there. It's like, that looks like a pretty good life. And what happens is we're everywhere except where we actually are. And I want us to understand something. And I think that as your friend, as your pastor, as someone that loves you, I want you to understand something. Every single person in this room will give an account for the life that we live. And God will never ask us what we thought about anyone else's life. On judgment day, he's not going to be like, so what do you think about Suzanne? <laughs> like, you're on her Instagram every single day, but like what? <laughs> Romans 14, I want to just, some of us didn't know this. Paul says each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, if you've heard of judgment, um, a lot of times we think it's like this picture where it's like, God, please let me into heaven. And then he flips open the books and he's like, oh, sorry, you cheated on that math test in grade four. Um, hell shh, pulls the lever. Um, <laughs> bye. On judgment, each of us will give an account. And here's why that picture isn't true. You want to know how you get into heaven? Jesus. So God is not going through some long book, <laughs> like every detail of your life. Because if he did, guess what? You're in real big trouble. But you want to know what he does instead? He throws it out. Oh, you're with Jesus. Come on in. That's it. However, a part of what it means to be human is to steward. And so God is going to ask us how we steward that which he gave us. And the answer, this is good news, like, I was on YouTube shorts for an hour. Like, hell. <laughs> it's not like, the good news is, like, that, these aren't salvation questions. But it is to let us know here and now that I will give an account for how I lead this church. I will give an account for how I lead my family. I will give an account for what I have done, for the words that I will speak. And so many of us are always thinking of the next that we never steward where we are today. And I want you to understand that the how is so much more important than the where. How am I gonna live where my feet are planted today? And y'all know this, but comparison is the thief of joy. It's the thief of joy. And so my life will always look less than when I'm comparing it to something else. And what I think is really cool is that to be omnipotent, which God is, is to be everywhere at all times. And we are created in God's image. We are like God, but we are not God. One of the ways that we are like God, which I'll talk about in a second, is that we're relational people. 
Why are we relational people? Because God is a relational God. However, we're like God, but we are not God. And so omnipotence belongs to him alone. His omnipresence to be everywhere at all times belongs to him alone. We as humans do not have the capability to be everywhere at all times. But you want to know what social media does? It gives us a pseudo capability of being everywhere at all times. And guess what? You're not God. So you want to know the results? Anxiety. Depression. Because I am bearing a divine weight that I don't have the faculties within me to carry. And we're real new into this whole social media thing. So I can promise you in like 20 years there'll be some real studies. And it's like, man, this thing really messed us up. So point is this. Why am I here? We are here to be good stewards of whatever God has given us. Last one. Genesis 2.18, and we're going to come back to this verse a couple times in this series. The Lord God said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. Um, second half of that verse we'll save uh, for when my helper's up here. Come on, somebody. Um, <laughs> that's my wife I'm talking about. Um, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, last week in the creation account, Genesis chapter one, every single day God said, it is good. Day two, it is good. Day three, it is good. Day four, it is good. Um, creates humans. He says, it is very good. In Genesis chapter two, and this is before sin. This is the first time we hear something being branded or labeled as not good. What was not good? It was not good for Adam to be alone. It was not good for the man. It is not good for humans to be alone. Now, there is a relational, like romantic relational comp component to this text. However, this idea of the not good is not speaking primarily of romantic relationships. We know this because if you read the rest of the Bible, Paul says being single is great for ministry. But what we do know, and this is the third reason and the last reason of why I think that we are here on earth, we are here to be in relationship with others. We are here to be in relationship with people. And if I am not in relationship with living Breathing, body and soul humans, I am living as less than human. If you mess up in prison, for all y'all that serve time, you know what the greatest punishment that they give to people is? I told you guys you can respond. <laughs> Isolation, solitary confinement. There we go, mice. <laughs> you can shout it next time. We'll We'll try 11 o'clock. <laughs> the greatest punishment is solitary confinement or isolation. Because what they are doing in those moments is they are being treated as less than human. Because to be human is to be in relationship. And so if you want to know why you are here, you are here to be in relationship. So some of y'all, maybe you've thought to yourself, I just need Netflix and cuddles the cat. It's not enough. In fact, the Bible even says Adam goes to the animals and God's like, that's ah, not going to work. Like your fur babies are cool, but it's not enough. We were created to be in relationships with people. And why this is not just romantic 
is because if you are in a romantic relationship, hear me, your partner, your spouse isn't enough. Because we're in this culture that idolizes romantic relationships. I need to find my person. I need my other half. Guess what? They ain't your other half and they're not enough. Because as a man, sometimes I have jokes that Christy just doesn't think are funny. And I need an X, Y, that's what a male is, right? X, Y. <laughs> Double check my biology later. Um, I need a man that can only give me what a man can give me. Some of us are real spiritual. I just need the word of God and a prayer closet. No, you don't. That's what Adam had. And God says what? It's not good, bro. We as people were created to be in relationships with others. And some of us like, Harrison, I get it. But where do I find deep, life-giving relationships? I'm so glad you asked. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. That is why God has given us community. Because every single one of us in this room, we need people. Every single person in a relationship in this room, you still need people. I need people who are older than me to let me know, listen, you, you, don't, you don't know it all, son. I need people who are younger than me to explain what the Riz is. Like I need, and the beautiful thing about church is that this is the place where we can find the very thing that we need to be human. Now hear me, because I could, I could do a whole sermon in and of itself on how to make friends, because it's not easy. But if I could give you one word, it's, well, here's two words. <laughs> be intentional. Be intentional. I hear way too many people and if you say to me, I'm going to spiritually slap you in the face. I'm not really going to slap you, just spiritually. Um, and it's like, man, I, I, I have no, like I come to church every single week and I have no friends. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But Sunday morning is not the greatest place to make friends. You want to know why it's really hard here? Because it's kind of echoey out there. What's your name? <laughs> what? <laughs> See you next week. I have no friends. You see, I don't think we make deep friendships and relationships in rows. I think we make them in circles. And that happens in the context of community. Now, I think there's a way that you can be so intentional where you need absolutely no one to do the work for you. And that's just, that's just showing up. That's talking to people, inviting people, sometimes inviting yourself, maybe, I don't know. But as a church, here's the one thing that we try to do to foster it's small groups. We call them Kingdom Cruise. So next week, our winter season of Kingdom Cruise is launching. Come on, somebody. So I want to encourage you. We got three different groups, community groups, growth groups, and, and, and classes or courses. The thing that binds them all together is that humans are in every single one of those groups. So I want to encourage you, if you've been on the edge, if you've been, you know, in the back row, because we always say this, our, our, our heart is to move you from the back row to the front row. And I don't just mean that physically. I mean, 
spiritually, I mean it physically. I hate the back row. Love y'all back there, I hate it. Um, this is what I like up here. So you wanna please me next week, you know where to be. Um, <laughs> but our heart is that no one goes to this life alone. And I, I, can't, I can't sit, I don't have a money back guarantee that you're gonna make a friend. But what I have just found is that the people that show up and don't stop showing up and don't stop getting connected are the ones that end up in relationships with people. And then they begin to experience, I think, what it means to actually be human. So why am I here? If you didn't get it, a lot of it centers around relationships. And so my appeal today is super simple. Do not leave this place today without a plan for how you are gonna enter into life-giving relationships with God and with people and to steward whatever God's given us. So let's just stand for a second, church. I'd love to pray for us. So if you're in this place, some of us, man, we've never connected with God before on that level. Uh, we got lies. we got just things that hold us back. I would love to pray for you. Um, for some of us, man, when it comes to relationships, I know what you need. It's one thing. It's just courage. It's courage to be heard again. It's courage to, to, to face that rejection you faced before, but keep going. It's courage to, to be uncomfortable, um, to take the step. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just, man, if you want to receive any of that stuff today, it's just, in, just palms open. Um, I would love to just pray that we just receive something. So, Father, um, I just, I pray today, God, that you do what only you can do. So, God, for the person that has been struggling to get into relationship with you because of how they perceive you, I pray today that they see you in a brand new light as a child that is loved and created to be in relationship with you. God, for those of us that need human relationships. We're good with you, but I just, I need some friends. Um, God, I pray that this season of, of cruise uh, would be the one, uh, this, this next number of months where people just get connected into life-giving relationships. Uh, I pray today, God, after church, that someone takes the risk to get to know, to lean in deeper. Uh, so God, we just thank you. You're so good. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you want more information about our church or want to get connected, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We can't wait to get to know you. Till next time, take care.